25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Monday, baby. Has everybody already talked about everything? That's one of the things that uh, I always wonder is, you know, like, what did everybody else talk about? Y'all already got all, uh, have you gotten your uh, ranting and raving and venting over with on this reaction Monday already by the time this thing pops on the air at noon? Huh? I'm just curious. That's a great idea for Learfield. Uh, I knew I got to add all that extra name on that. But yeah. anyway, live call-in segment at the end of your at the end of the broadcast of the, might, of the football game. But uh, might get lively. Yeah. Well, uh, Roger, Jackie Sherrill used to do that. Listen, Coach Sherrill for years did a live call-in show after the game. Can you believe Gutsy. that? Gutsy. Oh, look, man. Let me just tell you right now. There are lots of things that people can accuse Coach Sherrill of. Not having guts ain't one of them. (laughs) There are a lot of things people can accuse, a lot of names that people can call Coach Sherrill. Gutless ain't one of them, okay? That guy. And I got to see Coach Sherrill this past weekend at the hotel uh, in Aggie Land. That was back on Friday. I didn't see him on game day, but did see him on Friday at the team hotel, which is neat. He stopped in. He was dressed to a tee uh, in town. It was good to catch up with him. And you know what, Roger? We actually I, I brought it up in conversation, starting to get a little confirmation on this uh, this thing of him cutting the speaker wires at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville back in the day. And it's a true story. He told me the details <laughs> of it. It actually happened. He snipped them. And he said, we came back years later for a game, and the guy said, you ain't cutting my speaker wires today. I promise you that. And Coach Shell said, I looked at him and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, that's him. All right, listen. It's Reaction Monday. If you're watching on Facebook, if you are watching on Periscope slash Twitter, you can see the numbers over my shoulder. There are lots of ways to be a part of the show. You could call me on the Divinity Equipment phone. Here it is. If you're listening... Listen up, write it down, commit it to memory. But if you're driving, don't take two hands off the wheel. I'll give it to you plenty of times, okay? Here it is. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. That's the number to call the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. At this point, Roger, I have one Facebook comment on the Facebook live stream, and it says, Jomo gots to go. That's from John. That's the first one. First and only comment to this point on Facebook is that Coach Moorhead has to go. That's kind of where we are right now. Is what is uh, That's the dust that has been kicked up uh, to this point. All right, and you can also text the show. The text line is open, and I've got it here pulled up, ready to talk. 
<clears throat> you had a pretty unequivocal response to the uh, text suggestion there. Okay, let me look at it here. Let's see, 885-ESPN, if you want to text the show. 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number. What? Oh, okay, from Miko when he texted uh, the Gridiron guys? Yeah. Miko, that was our pre-show conversation. Yeah. Uh, Miko, you were pretty uh, pretty certain of your viewpoint on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty certain about it. Miko says, uh, Hugh to MSU. Hugh Freeze, that is. Yeah, I... I say no. That's what I say, no. Um, Bama in Madison on the text line to start us off today. Stars are aligning once again for Bama. LSU ranked number one, and Bama possibly won't have a healthy Tua. If Bama loses a close game and wins out, they have a good chance of sneaking back into the playoffs again, especially with Oklahoma and Notre Dame losing. And then he says, roll tight. He's got the little sneaky devil emoji on there also. So he knows what's up, man. And I'm telling you, you are absolutely correct. Listen, I don't care what Alabama's record is. You can bet your bottom dollar that television folks, (laughs) they really want there to be a justifiable way to get Alabama in there. Because one is Bama Nation will tune in and they'll do a big rating in Birmingham. But the other thing is the rest of the country will tune in to see is Bama going to (laughs) lose. Okay. So they are ratings gold and everybody wants to try to see them in. But what you're talking about is true. Okay. Oklahoma loses this past Saturday to Kansas state. Uh, Notre Dame got beat. Who'd they lose to Michigan? And um, so it's opening up this window of opportunity for an SEC team that might not be in the SEC championship game to get into the college football playoff. So I'm happy to talk about that as well. Alabama mopped the floor with Arkansas. was not a competitive game. And then it comes out, State going up to Fayetteville State is a touchdown favorite up there. So I don't know where you want to start Um I'm probably going to start with Mississippi State. It's a game of, the, uh, of which I saw every single solitary play. I want to talk with you a little bit today about LSU and Auburn, what went on in that game. And, of course, I know, um, you know we're a couple days removed from the game, so everybody's kind of had plenty of review at this point. But I'm on a reaction Monday, as always. I just want to know what you think. Okay? I really do. I want to know what you think. So you can comment on Facebook. You can tweet me, at Radio Wyatt. That's on Twitter. Tweeter over here. My tweeter is at Radio Wyatt. So tweet away there and we'll talk. And then, like I said earlier, call or text. And if you're watching, you see the numbers here. So uh, give me a shout. Listen, State State now, after this game with Texas A&M, State has gotten itself in a position where now it's about figuring out ways to be competitive against the you know some of the better teams. That's what this is about now. And you go, Matt, well, there's not much of that, you know, left on the schedule. You got Alabama and all the rest of them are winnable games. And that is true. That is true. But what I can tell you too is at this point, because of some of the recent ball games and a four game losing streak now for state, which, by the way, you haven't had one of those since 2005. Think about that. Think about the fact that it's been 
Since 2005, since State has lost four games in a row in a season. So, I mean, you talk about uncomfortable. And here's what I see. Here's what I see and here's what I hear. It's two different lanes that people get in and drive their conversation down the road about Mississippi State. There's two different lanes of traffic. In one lane over here, you got people going down the the path of State is no longer a bottom-feeding program. Dan Mullen raised that over the course of a decade to the to the point where it's it's not a bottom feeding program. And in 2019, everybody has money. Everybody's paying their coaches millions of dollars and can't afford it. Everybody's at least once or twice a year selling out a 60,000 seat stadium, minimum 60. You know, everybody's got great facilities. Everybody can recruit. You know, it's true. I mean, pretty much all the SEC teams, 13 out of 14 anyway, every year are somewhere in or around the top 25 recruiting classes in the whole country. Now, there's a big difference between number one, Alabama, and number 25, you know, State, Ole Miss, Arkansas. There's a big difference there, but still we're talking about in comparison to the rest of the country. So in one lane over here, it's the conversation of, well, expectations were permanently adjusted in the years that Dan Mullen was the head coach and they won the games and have been to all the, what is it now? Nine consecutive bowl trips in the postseason and all this. All these players in the NFL, spent time ranked, all those things. And then, frankly, there is another lane of traffic out here. And I think at this point there's fewer people in this particular lane. It's the more clear lane if you want to jump over there and in it. But is saying that, well, look, state is not Alabama. State is not Florida. You know, therefore, you just need to realize this was coming. It was just a matter of time. And I, I just, you know, maybe it's one of those things where the truth sort of lies in the middle a little bit on some of this stuff. Maybe maybe I would fall in this in the median. And I know that doesn't make for great radio, probably, but maybe that's where I fall, is in the median of this highway a little bit. And here's what I mean. There's no such thing as permanent, permanently raising expectations. There's no such thing. Plenty of examples of that. University of Alabama. They were good and terrible before Saban went in there. Their expectations certainly had changed by the time he took it over. And that was only, what were they, about 15 years or so removed from winning a national championship? Was it that many? Was it that few? Yeah. About 15 years removed from winning a national championship when he got the job. And by the time he got it, the University of Alabama was just hoping like crazy they could win some games and be respectable again. The University of Tennessee, national title in 98, you know, people like Peyton Manning in the NFL representing them. 100,000-seat stadium. Look what they've been through. There's so, in reality, there's really no such thing as permanently adjusted expectations. There's a great one. Jay Clay on the text line. Florida State. 
won a national championship in 2013 with Jimbo Fisher and Jameis Winston. So it's not realistic to say that somebody can permanently change the expectation level and it will forever stand. No, that's just not reality. But at the same time, it simply is not reality either to say, to say that those raised expectations and nine years of winning football and getting yourself in postseason games and all that kind of stuff was merely an aberration and that now you're sliding back into your proper place in the pecking order and that is at the bottom. That's just not reality either. So, you know, I kind of started with that. I think that it is it is awfully scary. And now I think that's appropriate in the week of Halloween. It is awfully scary for state fans right now. It is a scary time right now for state fans. Because you're about to play Arkansas. Uh, a team that is 0-5 in the conference, they have two wins on the year, but you have to go there. And in road games this year for Mississippi State, true road games, that's been three out of the last four. Three of this of the four games in this losing streak are on the road. Um, they gave up 56 at Auburn. It was 21 to nothing before you could blink. They were never in the ballgame. Um, they scored 10 points at Tennessee. Because of no offense, they were never in the ballgame, it didn't feel like. And then, this past week, it was 14 to nothing before you could really blink, Texas A&M. The defense did a few good things to open the door to get back in it, and the offense did too. And State put up 10 points in the second quarter. But then the floodgates opened, and it was 28 to 10 at halftime. And it was uh, 42 to 17 going into the fourth quarter. That is not a competitive game. Okay, and then that's the so that's the road games. That's the road games. You've had one road game where State has been competitive, and that was at Tennessee. But you know that's because the defense figured out ways to get off the field, and their quarterback got hurt, and all this kind of stuff. You couldn't score. Only 10 points. So you're barely competitive in that one because of the defense. But in these other th- the other three out of the four, a 56-23 to loss to Auburn, you were not competitive. A 36-13 to loss to LSU, you were competitive for a quarter and a half. And a 49-30 to loss to Texas A&M, and 13 points in the fourth quarter made it look more competitive, but frankly, you weren't competitive in the game. So State is in a position now where going into the last month of the season with three winnable games on the schedule, Alabama is not winnable. With three winnable games on the schedule, State is looking for a way to be competitive. It really has been condensed to how clear it is that this is a one-game season now for Mississippi State. It is a one-game season. The next one. (laughs) 
because it all stacks up from there. A win at Arkansas this weekend, winnable, got to play well. A win at Arkansas this weekend will give you hope that if you can just come out of the Alabama game healthy enough, you could beat Abilene Christian for win number five and then be uh, playing with the motivation of needing to beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl to get win number six and play in the postseason. The same could be true for Ole Miss, depending on what they do. But if you do not come out of Fayetteville, Arkansas with a win this weekend, then uh, all of a sudden all kinds of stuff's going to break loose. <laughs> it's going to be – it's going to be – all kinds of stuff's going to break loose. You lose to Arkansas. That would be five in a row. And um, that would mean you would have to win out, including a win over Alabama, just to get in the postseason. You'd have Alabama coming in two weeks after that, after an open date. In the middle of deer season, I'm not really sure what the attendance would be like. So, um, Look, I mean, I, I'm not being negative. I'm just being, again, realistic. That's where things are for State after this weekend. Now, uh, Ole Miss was off. They've got injuries and things they need to heal up. We can talk about that going forward. And we will. All right, let's do it. On the uh, Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, Lynn, is uh, listening in Pontotoc. What's up, Lynn? Hey, Matt, how you doing on a fine Monday? As far as I know, I'm just right. Hope you're doing well, too. Oh, we're hanging in there like a loose tooth. Man, I tell you, I'm a, I'm a diehard state fan. I love them. I can't not love them. It don't matter what we're doing. I'm going to love them. But it's, it's got, I told you one time before I'd rather lose by 40. I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I miss the excitement of being competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. I, I think I deal with the heartbreak better right now than I would just sitting there. And I can't even get, I'm not even getting mad anymore. I'm just, I'm kind of giggling like, here we go again. Yeah. And you know, like three plays in what you're fixing to see. Well, I just, and, and you know, the injury thing keeps piling up and piling up for them. And while that's a little bit of, um, you, you could say it's not an excuse, but it's a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a factor that's making things worse and worse each week as the injuries keep piling up. But what I believe in my gut, Lynn, is a lot of that does. Yes, injuries are bad luck in a lot of ways. But I also think when it starts to become kind of an epidemic, sort sort of, it goes back to your strength and conditioning program, and it didn't get done what it needed to get done, and that's why guys are getting hurt. That's I really believe that. And, you know, it's a, it's a belief, and it really can't be proven one way or the other, but that's what I believe. No, we're not. I mean, you'd have to be in the building to really know about all that. I, I, I hope we do well. I hope we continue to – or I hope we start to get better, and I hope, hope we beat Arkansas. We're, we're, we're two different teams, though, on the road and at home, and I don't, I don't understand it. I agree. It, 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 it's not even close to the same thing, so – yeah. That's the only scary thing about Arkansas and the Ole Miss game. As you well know, that's that's toss up. You, you can't oh, sure. take nothing from that. And the home team's been losing it. Yeah, that's right. The road team has been the one that had the energy, and it's like the road team in the Egg Bowl can free up and play a little better and a little more aggressively 
because they're not in front of their home crowd. Is that crazy? But but that's kind of my observation on that a little bit. Um, it, it makes sense to me, but at this point, uh, provided we do what we should with Arkansas and take care of Abilene Christian, it, it, it's for a bowl game, and it should matter for us. And Ole Miss would love nothing more than to keep us out of a bowl game. It, we're going to have to strap up and really play some good competitive football to, to have any chance of, of a of a bowl game. And yeah. I know those bowl games, some people love them, some people don't care. That's I think right. it's good for the practice. Yeah, I I would like to see us start playing the the freshman O linemen and them just maybe a little more because as far as any real, I don't know what a team actually goes or I think everybody when they go into the season, I, I'm. The competitor of me would say if I was playing football at that level, until I see I can't win a national title, that is a goal. Mm-hmm. And the SEC championship and so forth. And I don't think state's players are any different to that. I believe that that's the mind style they have. Still, still those things are taken off the board. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know better than me about that. Uh, Lynn, music but anyway, Matt, Good call, man. Appreciate it, yeah. buddy. Thank you. Call me anytime. Some calls are stacked up. We've got Todd and Andy coming, a bunch of folks on the text line as well, and a couple of Facebook comments I want to address, including Matt on Facebook who said, Dan peaked at 4-4 four and four in the SEC. We'll discuss all that coming up. Just getting started on a scary reaction Monday <laughs> in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All right, back. We had fun during the break. People watching the stream get a little bit of an inside look on the Facebook stream or the Twitter stream. We just left the audio up so everybody could hear me and Roger, and people are scared to death. They're texting us. Hey, there's reverb. No dirty jokes. You're <laughs> right, you're uh, Rightfully concerned. <laughs> we can hear everything you're saying. Yeah, we, we know. We just leave it. That's how up. we started the show. We that, didn't know it. <laughs> look, I, the truth is... The the truth is, Roger used to talk my head off during the commercial breaks, and I'm really trying to get some work done. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Not about the talking your head off part. <laughs> yeah, not about that part. All right, back in the Farm Bureau studio, I'm Matt. Roger on the other end. He's in Jackson. I'm going to get to your texts. Uh, there's a Facebook comment here uh, on the stream from Matt who said, Dan Mullen peaked. With a four and four SEC record, yeah. But the thing about that is, you play in the SEC West. Okay, first of all, you're playing Alabama, Auburn, and LSU every year, and it is an uphill climb in that division. It is not the same, and hasn't been the same as the last 10, 12 years. If you were, you know, in the East, certainly the last five to six years you know, in the East, you look at what everybody's gone through, what. Florida had gone through and what Tennessee was going through. I mean, heck, in the Eastern Division, Kentucky was a 10-win team last year. 
So saying, ah, well, Dan peaked at four and four. That's like saying that you, that's like comparing two bass fishermen, two tournament bass fishermen. Okay. And, and one guy caught 20 bass that weighed 20 pounds. Think about it. 20 bass that you, if you add them all up, it weighed 20 pounds. That means he caught 20 one pounders. And comparing that to somebody who also caught 20 pounds of bass with five fish, <laughs> he weighed in five fish in a five with a five fish limit that added up to 20 pounds. It means they averaged four pounds each. That's four lunkers, biggins. It's like comparing that guy's 20 pounds of fish. To the other guys, 20 pounds of fish. It ain't the same. There's my uh, worked fishing into the show, and I'm very, very proud of myself. Todd in Jackson on the Divini Equipment phone. What's up, Todd? Matt, I don't know what math you majored in up in Starville, but that was pretty good. I did the best I could. I, if you were watching on the stream, Todd, I did use my fingers. <laughs> well, yeah, but you shouldn't have used that middle one. But anyway. <laughs> not, uh, yet, not yet. Uh, I hadn't used that one yet. Not yet. Uh, here are my comments. I'm a big Mississippi State fan. Been, I mean, since I was a kid, I'm almost, you know, 49 years old. Okay. We yeah. can be excited about Colin Hill, but he got, uh, he got a ton of his yards on three carries. Mm-hmm. He had a 39 yard, a 36 yard, and an 18 yarder. So he got 93 of his 150 on three carries. The other 18 carries, he got 57 yards. So let's not get too excited. Two, I noticed in the first half, Matt, maybe you can speak to this, Schrader never kept the ball on the read option one time in the first half. Never. In the first I half. I find it hard to believe as much as they were keying on Colin Hill that there wasn't a play or two where he just made the wrong read, or was it just beat in his head so much to get Kyle on the ball to just ignore the read and hand it to him? Yeah, well, the thing is, Todd, okay, in this particular game, I, I didn't – in the first half – as well, I, I didn't have as much negative or finger pointing going on at State's run game as I did their pass game. Now, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw a wrinkle at you just to get you off your talking point. I, because I probably would differ. Like, I don't care how you get 150 yards if it's in. Like again, I was talking about the the big fish versus a bunch of small fish. Uh, Still, I mean. Rushing yards are rushing yards. It becomes if you're flipping the field with three big runs, and and I understand what you're saying is we're talking about consistency versus explosive plays. I want them both. I like 150 yards. I don't care how you get them. But the way State started the game not being able to throw the ball with any effectiveness at all was honestly a surprise to me because if one thing, if we've seen one thing from Schrader this year as a true freshman, it is that, man, when guys are open, he puts a ball on them. He didn't have a bunch of misses, but we just we didn't have a way, even with stuff that we might have scripted. You know, we went three and out and three and out to start the game. You didn't have a way to get him going with an easy completion or two. What did he start the game? Oh for six passing. Yeah. So to yeah, that was the thing that stood out to me about the start of the game and the first quarter was it was much like we have seen from this offense. In so many games, and that is an inability to start the game, to start the game, to get started, 
You know, it was 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. If I'm looking at these broken out stats right here, yeah, we started the game 0 for 6 and then completed one. And so it was a 1 for 7 start passing for 1 yard. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to figure out how you start a game like that throwing a ball. Well, and and I think A&M they did a great job on the other side. And I'm not saying that Mond is not more long at this time in his career than Schrader is because of course he is. Yeah. But they gave him some pretty easy throws. Mm-hmm. Some some screens, some slants and all that. And it just seems to me if you're this offensive guru that you ought to be able to put your quarterback who's a freshman in a position to make some plays. If Dan Mullen can take basically Chris Relf, who really in all honesty was really a tight end playing quarterback mm. and put him in a position that we went nine and four Almost beat a Cam Newton Auburn team, lost by a touchdown, lost to Arkansas in overtime at home. So we were uh, eyelash away from being nine and three or ten and two with Chris Wealth, Chris Ralph as the full time quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the point now, and I bet you a lot of MSU fans are. If losing to Arkansas will get us a new football coach, I want to go up there and get beat forty to nothing. Appreciate the call. It's best for the program long term. Yeah, All right, pre- Matt, thank pre- yeah. Appreciate the call, Todd. Um, I don't know. I just can't. I can't empathize with the idea of rooting against your team. Andy in Rankin. What's up, Andy? Man, I've got a question. It's not college related, but I just want to have this down on record if it happens. All right. Tom Brady leaves the Patriots next year, goes to California. But instead of the Chargers, he goes to the 49ers and Garoppolo comes to New England. Bam! <laughs> hey, man, like, as good as things are going for the 49ers right now, they're going to hang on to Garoppolo for dear life, aren't they? They're not going to want to change anything. I know, but I just wanted to have that on record. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on record, Andy. You are, the, right, you are the one. You are the one who has now put that on the record. The record. Thank you. At least they have that going for me. Attaboy. boy. Thanks for the call. I tell you what, that man's Still crazy. Under on that. What's he, well, look, how long did he hang on to call in and say that? He earned it. He earned it. Andy, if you are right, please get back on the air when that happens because I want to give you all kinds of credit and talk about how in the world you saw that coming. All right. <clears throat> On the uh, text line, Ice in Rankin says, Matt, speaking of Coach Cheryl, the lady of my house remembered Coach Cheryl talked a lot about field position. Yes, he did. He always talked about how important it was. Special teams was important to him. Punting was a very, very – it was something that he absolutely was concerned with all the time. Uh, was punting. Was it was very hands-on in terms of coaching punters uh, and that kind of thing. I was in on some of that and believed in winning the field position at all costs. Heck, it's why a big part of my job when I was a player at state was a pooch punter. Is if we're near midfield, we've got to have a way to keep their defense out there and have the element of surprise so that we can pin them deep. That's what it was all about. It wasn't about getting you know fourth down conversions. It was about punting them deep. All right, rolling along. Reaction Monday. Stay with me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
Rolling along on a Monday in the Farm Bureau studio, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. They can fix your phone, by the way. I've told you that before. We're about to test it out, Roger. My wife, well, we talked about it on Friday's show for those that, that heard that. I guess it was maybe early Friday morning. Yeah, my wife sat her phone up on the counter. She had recently taken the case off of the cover off of the phone because it was all messed up. And the cat knocked it off. And bam! It hit the tile floor and cracked the back of it. You know, it has like a glass covering on the back. Cracked it all up. So the phone can can work fine. It's just that it's all banged up, mutilated. So we're about to take it on into Ceasefire uh later today. Say, hey, fix my phone, because that's what you can do. You can hop into Ceasefire. Most times they can fix it while you wait, and so we're going to get it looking right. You know, I'd like to have been on that meeting where they designed the iPhone. Say, what are you going to make it out of? Glass. <laughs> are people going to carry this around all day? Yep. Yeah, we're going to make it glass so that everyone will have to buy a cover. <laughs> um, yeah, and also I would like to say I just got a text from a friend Roger, and it says, try and be interesting. I'm driving to Chef Camp. I got 90 more minutes of you. So for some of y'all that know them, I just gave, yeah, I just gave it away. I've talked about Chef Camp before. My buddy Andy from Eat Y'all. So, so he's got 90 more minutes of me. And I would just say this about, he says, try to be more interesting. Growing <laughs> up, every now and then, I said with an earshot of my mother where she could hear me, I would say, I'm bored. And she would say, only boring people. Get bored. Yeah. So take that. If you're not entertained, it's your fault. <laughs> Especially with all your options. Okay. Uh, I want to bring a couple things up here. I'm going to knock out a few texts, but I have something I want you to think about, and then maybe we can discuss this in hour number two. Again, we're talking Mississippi State football, but I want you to think about a particular position that State has really been able to hang its hat on now for an entire decade. And all of a sudden on this year's team, I think it is the first time in, in that long where it's not the case. But at least I don't think it is. We'll see. I'll tell you what position that is. Hold on. Uh, the real Eric on the text line at 885-ESBN says, the 2014 Mississippi State uh, team only lost to Alabama and Ole Miss. That's not 4-4 four and four in the SEC. The caller is wrong. And Fletcher on my Twitter feed uh, reminded me also. They went 6-2 and two in the SEC. Uh, was that right? So he didn't – Mullen did not peak at 4-4. Four and four. He had a year where he went 6-2. and two. Uh, Tim is referencing the new AP poll – he thinks LSU should be one, but that Ohio State should be two and Bama should be three. And there are a lot of smart people who've seen them all play, Tim, that really believe Ohio State should be number one. And I'm not jumping into that talk because I hadn't seen Ohio State take a bunch of snaps. I'll be honest with you. I've seen their scores and highlights, but I have not watched their games. Watch every state game and a bunch of other SEC games, and that's about it. And the rest of the time I go fishing, and this time of year I rake leaves. We are covered in leaves. Had to pick up a bunch of limbs after those straight line wins. Uh, knocked a tree in half in my front yard on Saturday in the middle of the day, Roger. Lots about of, that. Lynn was talking about those winds up there. Yeah, lots of people in you know in and around Tupelo, trees down all over the place. These straight line winds came in and and were gusting so hard 
like off and on that there are a lot of trees where the tops of the trees are just snapped right out on like somebody breaking a stick after that long drought. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the city of Corinth, for instance, here we are on Monday and they still have lots and lots of people without power in the Corinth area. So it was pretty rough. So piled up a bunch of limbs, started burning them yesterday and got more of that to do. Um, well, at least you don't have to worry about the burn ban. That's right. Um, and I'm trying to make sure we haven't missed a text. People letting us know we had a hot mic during the uh, break. Okay, here we go. Unnamed texter says, Matt, what the heck is wrong with our strength and conditioning? Injury bug is killing us on top of everything else. Uh, yes, State went into the game minus six starters. Some of those for mysterious injuries. One of those, Cam Dantzler, did not play in the game. Your best corner. Uh, obviously, the other starting corner, Maurice Smitherman, is out with a, a, a leg injury. He's out for the year. During the game, they started losing others. We just got word that Fletcher Adams, a Brandon, Mississippi kid, Fletcher Adams, had surgery this morning. He is out for the remainder of the season, was injured in the game. The injury bug, the way that it has accumulated on top of these suspensions on the defensive side of the ball, have absolutely started to decimate the depth and the personnel on defense. So one theory is this. Here's one theory. The team and the staff knew in the offseason that you're going to be without 10 players for a total of eight games each. That's a, a, you know, a cumulative 80 games on your roster going to be missed this year. And most of that, if not all, in terms of impact, was on the defensive side of the ball. So because of that, one theory is maybe there was less full contact, tackling, and physical stuff in the preseason because you're trying to keep people healthy and make sure you have the depth that you're going to need to get through the year. And that maybe contributes to some of the lack of physicality and now injuries, and it's gone the other way on you. If it, I mean, it's just one theory. I'm not saying that is the case, but it is a theory. Um, what I do know is everybody goes through injuries. Everybody faces that. But I can't remember the last team that I've seen with this many starting to pile up. When I say team, I mean a Mississippi State team. It's been a lot of years since State had injuries that really started to pile up this way. And especially on one side of the ball, particularly on the side of the ball on defense where you're missing a bunch of guys due to mysterious, not mysterious, violation of team rules. So it's a heck of a deal right now in regards to injuries. No, here's a position. I want you to think about this, and maybe we can discuss it in hour number two. <clears throat> this year, does State have a dominant defensive tackle? Now, don't roll your eyes because you also have to project, okay? Because when we look back in the past, at any past player, you have a whole body of work to look at. You have a freshman season, a, a sophomore, a senior, or a junior, a senior season maybe, and we see how and that can you know catapult a guy into a first or second round pick, and then they play well in the NFL and all that kind of stuff. So we don't have that with current players on the team right now. But it's in terms of how they're playing, does State have a dominant defensive tackle right now? Don't roll your eyes at that. I want you to think about those two young guys, highly recruited, Fabian Lovett 
Jaden Crumedy. Think about that. They're freshmen. But they're your two starting defensive tackles. Autry is a guy who's missing game after game after game. He's a senior. Supposedly your best. But if if Autry were playing every game, is he a dominant defensive tackle? Because State, how far back do you have to go to find the last time that State didn't have a dominant defensive tackle? Mississippi State had a freshman Fletcher Cox in 2009. And then he's there in 10 and 11. And then left early for the NFL was a first-round draft pick. Now, in 2012, I don't know that you had necessarily a dominant defensive tackle. We'll come back to 2012. Then right after Fletcher Cox left, Chris Jones came onto the scene. Chris Jones, he became a second-round pick, but he was worthy of a first, and he plays like that now in the NFL. He's banged up for the Chiefs. But Chris Jones, a three-year player in 2013, and then 14, and then 15. And as soon as Chris Jones left and went to the NFL, Jeffrey Simmons arrived on campus in 2016. And we know what he was in 16, 17, and then last year in 2018. So I have to go back really pre-2009 to find the last time State didn't have a dominant defensive tackle right in the smack middle, one of the most coveted, if not the most coveted position from NFL scouts and personnel people outside of quarterback. 9, 10, and 11, Fletcher Cox. 13, 14, and 15, Chris Jones. 16, 17, and 18, Jeffrey Simmons. And you go, well, what about 2012? Well, Preston Smith was on that defensive front in 2012. And he played in, and sometimes he would put his hand down at defensive tackle. He's not a defensive tackle. But also on that 12 team, the 2012 team, you're talking about defensive tackles. Caleb Ewells, Josh Boyd, both played in the NFL. P.J. Jones, Curtis Virgis, Dwayne Charrington played in the NFL for Seattle. So you didn't, even in 2012, you didn't necessarily have one dominant guy, but you had a group that was veteran and very good. And now we look up in 2019, and your two starting defensive tackles are freshmen, and there's very little depth. So, one, it's a totally different experience for state fans this year than what you've had for the last decade. you got to go back a decade. You've always had a dominant D-tackle. You don't have it this year. And where is the depth? What happened to the depth? Hour two, coming up. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.